We're so glad that you're joining us today. I know that I speak on behalf of the whole pastoral team in saying that we have been earnestly praying that no matter your age or your stage of faith, that there will be a freshness this year in being a disciple and making disciples. To that end, we're going to spend the best part of first term in the Gospels, just as a refresher, learning from Jesus what it means to be his disciples. You know, I was really struck last year by Steve Frost's message where he made the point that whether we realise it or not, all of us are being discipled by someone or something. Our culture is constantly calling us to follow its ways. And so through this series, our prayer is that we will hear Jesus' call afresh, where he says, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Would you join with me to position your heart as to hear what Jesus might speak today? Lord, we welcome your presence and we just pray, Holy Spirit, just would you speak through your word and Lord, help us to discern just what it is that you are saying to us, that we won't just be hearers of the word, but we will be doers. Help us to know how to walk this out in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now from Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law saw, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Well, I have to say that I always thought that Jesus' account of calling his first disciples was just a little bit random. You know, like Jesus was out taking a walk and he sees a group of total strangers and he just invites them to reorient their whole life to follow him. And certainly that's the way that it reads in Mark. But, you know, in Luke 4, we get a little bit more background. And so before Jesus calls Peter, we find that Jesus has gone to Peter's house and he's healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then others have heard of these healings and they've flocked to Peter's home to be healed by Jesus. 
And then it seems that Jesus stays overnight in Peter's home as a guest. And so, you know, Peter and Jesus had history. Peter was already a person of peace when Jesus called Peter to follow him. He didn't fully comprehend who Jesus was yet, but Peter knew enough to be attracted to Jesus. And you know, this history between Peter and Jesus also means that Peter, uh, that Jesus knew who Peter was prior to calling him. You know, especially when you combine human observation with divine knowing, Jesus knew already before calling Peter, Peter's strengths and weaknesses. And yet still he chose him for his team. I wonder if you've ever been in a position to be able to choose a team. Now we tend to choose those most likely to win, yeah? The strong, the fit, the successful. I wonder if you can remember though an experience of being in a lineup waiting to be selected for a team. We had some pastoral team games at our team retreat a few weeks ago. And um, these games required a little bit of skill and coordination. And we did this line-up, choose-your-team kind of approach. And, uh, and as those who were doing the selecting got to the end of the options, guess who was still waiting to be chosen? I'll tell you, I was having flashbacks to primary school. But I wonder, can you recall your own experience of being in a line-up waiting to be selected. Maybe it was for a team or a game or, you know, maybe even a job. What was it like? Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and and just tell them briefly about it? I think that it's really important for us to notice who Jesus called to be his disciples. You know, if there was a lineup of the wisest, gifted, most talented guys, Jesus chose those at the back end of the line. He chose unlikely people to be his disciples. There was Simon Peter, Andrew, James and John. I mean, these were ordinary, unschooled fishermen. In Acts 4.13, the Sanhedrin are surprised by Peter and John because they realise they're just ordinary guys. They hadn't been trained in rabbinic schools, nor did they hang out in, you know, the, the religious circles. Added to that, they were from Galilee. Galilee was a backwater place. Back in the 1980s, um, my hubby Steve lived in Galston, And um, he went to school in Asquith Boys High School. And he went from Asquith Boys to study law at Sydney University. And um, of the 300 others in his year at uni, 297 of them came from private schools and most of them lived in the eastern suburbs. And so when they would hear that Steve came from Goldston, they would be like, where? You went to Asquith Boys. What? A public school? No offence, Steve. But that's what it was like to come from Galilee. 
You know, one of the disciples, Nathaniel, on learning that Jesus was from Nazareth in Galilee, said in John 1.46, can anything good come from there? Because even though Nathaniel himself was from Galilee, he knew the reputation. The pick of the crop didn't come from Galilee. Jesus called ordinary, unschooled fishermen from Galilee to be his disciples. And then in the passage that was read from Mark 2, he calls Levi, who we come to know as Matthew, to be his disciple. Now, Matthew was a tax collector from Rome. He worked for the wrong team. Tax collectors were despised by Jews. And so Matthew didn't hang out with the nice, shiny people. His dinner guests were other tax collectors and sinners. You know, this wasn't going to go down very easily as a team dynamic. Especially when you add in another disciple, Simon the Zealot, who's listed in Matthew 10.4. A zealot was primarily a member of a militant sect that opposed Roman domination. So you've got one disciple working for the Romans. You've got another one who's vehemently opposed to the Romans. I mean, can you imagine the dinner conversations that these guys would have had? The point that I want to make is that Jesus chooses all kinds of people to be his disciples. The ordinary, those without training, some with training, those from the wrong neighbourhood, some who were passionate by personality, those with checkered pasts and, and dubious social circles. We're going to pause again at this point and I'd like you to chat about why. Why would Jesus choose disciples like these? I hope that you had some good thoughts about that. I have two reflections. Firstly, Jesus isn't looking for cookie-cutter disciples that are all alike. Diversity is important. Different backgrounds, different personalities, different ethnicities, different life experiences. All people are invited to follow Jesus and all people are needed. Because if we're going to reach people to make disciples, then we need as much diversity as possible to reach as many as possible. The reality is there will be people who will connect with you who won't connect with me or with others at PBC. They will connect with you because of who you are. When it comes to being and making disciples, you know, I think Satan loves to remind us of what we're not. We're not eloquent. We don't think on our feet well enough. We're not um, good at relationships. We're not trained. We don't know enough. We don't pray enough. And yet Jesus chooses all kinds of people to be his disciples. And there will be people of peace who connect with you because of who you are and probably even relate to you better because of those things that you're not. Which leads to my second reflection about why Jesus chose such diversity among his disciples. And that is that that which we're not really highlights 
who he is. You know, I mentioned that the Sanhedrin was surprised by Peter and John's oratory skills in Acts 4. The truth is, Peter and John weren't eloquent, but the Holy Spirit empowered them as they opened their mouths, which caught the Sanhedrin's attention. I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes I have to pull myself up because my inner narratives remind me of what I'm not when it comes to being and making disciples. You know, but time and time again, Jesus calls me to lift my eyes to who he is and to trust him where I feel inadequate. I had a little quote above my desk for a number of years. And it simply read, I am not, but I know I am. Acknowledging that although I might feel insufficient, that my God is more than sufficient. Jesus has called you and I to be his disciples. Our uniqueness is important. And our inadequacy just makes more room for his glory when we partner with him. Well, so far we've looked at the call, but the thing that I really want to leave you with today is what I'm calling the key. In Mark 1:17, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. The New Living Translation that I read devotionally translates Jesus' words this way, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. There are two things that I want us to notice. The first is this word, follow. You know, because sometimes we see being a Christian, you know, it's someone who believes in Jesus. But Jesus' invitation isn't come believe in me. It's come follow me. So once again, I want you to pause and discuss why. Why would Jesus' invitation be come follow? follow me, not just come believe in me. Jesus wasn't looking for disciples who would give mental assent to his lordship. He was looking for those who would follow and it would be in the following that they would discover more of who he is. I think this is such an important key in our own growth as a disciple and as we make disciples. Following is different from simply believing. You know, disciples don't just make a confession of faith and pray a sinner's prayer. They follow. Nor does a disciple keep learning more and more about Jesus. They follow Jesus. Seeking to do what he said and follow his example in what he did. At PBC, we use the phrase learning to live and love like Jesus, becoming increasingly like him. And when it comes to making disciples, notice that this call to follow Jesus came before the disciples even fully understood who he was. 
You know, one of the things that I love about Bible dis- doing Bible discovery with a person who is still exploring who Jesus is, is the response question that we ask every time we read scripture together. What should I do in response to this? Like Jesus did with his disciples, it's inviting people to follow even before they fully know who he is. And to be honest, that simple question, what will I do in response to this, has actually changed the way that I read scripture. Because I'm no longer just reading for information. I'm reading for daily transformation, looking to follow Jesus. So the first thing for us to notice in what Jesus called his disciples to do was to follow me. Don't just believe, but get into the daily practice of following. And secondly, his words, I will show you how to fish for people. I will show you how. I will show you in the context of your relationships of your life situation. You know, I think for way too long, we have hoped that the the church will make disciples. And I think by that, we mean the Sunday services and the programs that we run, that, that somehow not yet Christians will come and they'll hear the message and they'll turn their lives around and they'll become fully formed disciples. But can I let you in on a secret? That very, very rarely happens. Making disciples is relational. It's personal. It's one life alongside another, learning together and practicing how to follow Jesus and discovering more of who he is along the way with ever-increasing awe. Many of us might feel like we lack the skill and confidence to do that. But the second thing I want you to notice in Jesus' words here is his assurance I will show you how. He will show us how as we learn from his example and teaching in the Gospels. And he will show us how as we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and then we take small steps of faith in response to what he shows us as we walk with others. Well, can I finish with a story? This is a work in progress story with my neighbour. Jesus has had me lay hold of these words, I will show you how to fish for people for the last probably 14 months or so. And so it was about 12 months ago that I was praying for my neighbour and um, my neighbour often tells me that she's an atheist. And I was specifically making myself available to God to be used in any way um, that he wanted in her life. But, now rightly or wrongly, this is a bit of a confession. I said to God, but if you want me to walk with her, I'm not going to chase her. You have to bring her to my door. And to be honest, that very, very rarely happens. But when it does, it usually leads to a faith conversation. Well, as I said, I I was praying. I spent a whole month praying and, uh, and nothing happened. And then COVID hit and the world turned upside down and, and finally I was just finding the way, which way was up again in about April or May and, and then one day there was a knock on the door and who should be there but my neighbour. 
and she was carrying a bunch of flowers and, and she said to me, I just remembered that I forgot your birthday five months ago. Happy birthday. And I'm like, you know, doing this internal conversation with God at that point, you know, just like, okay, God, she's here. I'm in. You show me how. But you know, my neighbour and I met up a number of times through the year for a cuppa and there didn't seem to be any opportunities for, for conversation about faith until one afternoon when just like out of nowhere, she said to me, so do you reckon Jesus was a real person? And I said, oh, we could actually look into that together if you would like. And she said, oh, no, no. And I'm like, oh, God, what is this? Anyway, before I left her house that afternoon, I, um, I asked whether she would like to come with me to our PVC art installation. And so two days later, we found ourselves wandering around our art installation. And there was one picture particularly that caught her attention. And, um, and as she looked at it and she read the description underneath of Yolanda who um, had, had encountered Jesus in a significant way during COVID. My neighbour looked at me and she said, have you read this? This is amazing. Have you ever had an experience of Jesus like this? And um, I just was able to share like a 60-second story of a significant time that I had had with Jesus. And and she just looked me in the eye and she said, that sounds really life-changing. And I said, yeah, it was. As I said, this is a work-in-progress story. And, you know, in all honesty, I don't know how to keep taking this further with her. She's not up to reading the Bible at this point in time. Um, But the thing that I really love is that as I've prayed for her and made myself available to God, that he just opens up opportunities, just step by step in his timing. And, you know, I don't feel the pressure of having to make it happen. All I need to do is be available to step into whatever it is that he is opening up. Well, let me wrap up this message. Jesus calls you and I to be his disciples, to not just believe in him, but to follow him, to shape our life into his likeness, but also to be alongside others and help shape theirs. Trusting Jesus' words, I will show you how, both through the Gospels and by the Holy Spirit's leading. So why don't you take a moment and just reflect on what has stood out to you today? What might God have you do in response to it? Would you join with me in prayer? Jesus, many of us probably feel like we're still learning how, especially in an increasingly secular context. Lord, I pray that we would be active learners, not just content with theory, but learning to be and to make disciples day by day as we engage with your word and your Holy Spirit and with the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.